a man with long hair and wild eyes, with shabby clothes of a cut Peter had not seen before, a man whose hands and lips trembled, and who spoke again as his eyes fell on Peter. No, it's not French, said Peter. Try him with French, if you know so much about it, said the farmer man. Parlez-vous Francais? began Peter boldly, and the next moment the crowd recoiled again, for the man with the wild eyes had left leaning against the wall, and had sprung forward and caught Peter's hands, and begun to pour forth a flood of words which, though he could not understand a word of them, Peter knew the sound of. There, said he, and turned, his hands still clasped in the hands of the strange shabby figure, to throw a glance of triumph at the crowd. There, that's French. What does he say? I don't know. Peter was obliged to own it. Here, said the station master again, you move on if you please. I'll deal with this case. A few of the more timid or less inquisitive travellers moved slowly and reluctantly away, and Phyllis and Bobby got near to Peter. All three had been taught French at school. How deeply they now wished that they had learned it. Peter shook his head at the stranger, but he also shook his hands as warmly and looked at him as kindly as he could. A person in the crowd, after some hesitation, said suddenly, No compreni! and then blushing deeply, backed out of the press and went away. Take him into your room, whispered Bobby to the station master. Mother can talk French. She'll be here by the next train from Maidbridge. The station master took the arm of the stranger, suddenly but not unkindly. But the man wrenched his arm away and cowered back, coughing and trembling and trying to push the station master again. Oh, don't, said Bobby. Don't you see how frightened he is? He thinks you're going to shut him up. I know he does. Look at his eyes. They're like a fox's eyes when the beast's in a trap, said the farmer. Oh, let me try, Bobby went on. I do really know one or two French words if I could only think of them. Sometimes, in moments of great need, we can do wonderful things, things that in ordinary life we could hardly even dream of doing. Bobby had never been anywhere near the top of her French class, but she must have learned something without knowing it, for now, looking at those wild, hunted eyes, she actually remembered, and what is more, spoke some French words. She said, Vous attendre. Ma mère parle français. Nous. Oh, what's the French word for being kind? Nobody knew. Bon is good, said Phyllis. Nous êtres bon pour vous. I do not know whether the man understood her words. But he understood the touch of the hand she thrust into his, and the kindness of the other that stroked his shabby sleeve. She pulled him gently towards the inmost sanctuary of the station master. The other children followed, and the station master shut the door in the face of the crowd, which stood a little while in the booking office, talking and looking at the fast closed yellow door, and then by ones and twos went its way, grumbling. Inside the station master's room, Bobby still held the stranger's hand and stroked his sleeve. Years ago, said the station master, no ticket, doesn't even know where he wants to go. I'm not sure now but what I ought to send for the police. Oh, don't, all the children pleaded at once. And suddenly Bobby got between the others and the stranger, for she had seen that he was crying. By a most unusual piece of good fortune, she had her handkerchief in her pocket. By a still more uncommon accident, the handkerchief was moderately clean. Standing in front of the stranger, she got out the handkerchief and passed it to him so that the others did not see. Wait till mother comes. Phyllis was saying, she does speak French beautifully. You'd just love to hear her. I'm sure he hasn't done anything like you're sent to prison for, said Peter. Looks like without visible means to me, said the station master. Well, I don't mind giving him the benefit of the doubt till your mamma comes. I should like to know what nation's got the credit of him, that I should. Then Peter had an idea. He pulled an envelope out of his pocket and showed that it was half full of foreign stamps. Look here, he said. Let's show him these. 
Bobby looked and saw that the stranger had dried his eyes with her handkerchief, so she said, All right. They showed him an Italian stamp and pointed from him to it and back again and made signs of question with their eyebrows. He shook his head. Then they showed him a Norwegian stamp, the common blue kind it was, and again he signed no. Then they showed him a Spanish one. And at that he took the envelope from Peter's hand and searched among the stamps with a hand that trembled. The hand that he reached out at last, with a gesture as of one answering a question, contained a Russian stamp. He's Russian, cried Peter, or else he's like the man who was in Kipling, you know. The train from Maidbridge was signalled. I'll stay with him till you bring mother in, said Bobby. You're not afraid, Missy? Oh, no, said Bobby, looking at the stranger as she might have looked at a strange dog of doubtful temper. You wouldn't hurt me, would you? She smiled at him, and he smiled back. A queer, crooked smile. And then he coughed again, 